Welcome to About Faith with Alec Klein. I'm honored to be your host of this weekly half-hour program airing on HLE Radio every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Central and replayed Sundays at 5 p.m. Central. We'll be hearing inspiring stories from people from all walks of life sharing with us their journey to faith. Today we're with Christy Luther. I I don't even know where to begin. Christy is, simply put, a remarkable person with a remarkable story of faith and redemption, and we only have a half hour. Uh, Please, Christy, tell us, where do we begin with your story? Where do we start? The stage is yours. Well, um, I grew up in Memphis, so I have real deep roots there, and it's uh, spiritual. And... um, I grew up in a home where we didn't attend church, we didn't um, go to Sunday school, we didn't talk about God. So um, I, I really, God was elusive to me, and um, I just didn't, you don't know, you just don't know. And so uh, I grew up in a, a home where there was um, physical, mental, verbal, emotional, and sexual abuse and um, just just in my in my young girl self trying to figure out life and trying to figure out how this was going to work and I had so much anger in my uh, in my young heart from an early age I read a book recently and it talked about when someone endures those things as a young child it's almost as their childhood is murdered and that really rung deeply with me and um i i felt like i felt like that but i had no one to talk to because uh i just couldn't talk to my family members about what was happening um i couldn't uh talk to friends about it uh i was the secrecy, if you will, or threatened, however you want to look at it. And um, so that was my, my young childhood. Uh, my grandmother passed away at an early age, so I didn't have her um, being a mentor for me. And um, gosh, I, I grew up as a rebellious teenager, and uh, I was suspended for school, from school a few times for fighting, and I had such anger and no outlet. And um, I, it's when I came to be a young woman that I came, I came to know the Lord. And I don't know if you want me to elaborate on that at all or... Please, yes. Tell us about that. Okay. Uh, this is the best part when you find Jesus. <laughs> and so uh, all that being said... Um, as I mentioned, I grew up in Memphis, and so that was everything I knew, everything that was comfortable and familiar in a world where everything was being shaken to the core. So near my uh, senior year, my family got transferred to Oklahoma, and that's where we reside now. And um, so everything that was halfway stable in my life was about to be shaken, and, and it was ripped apart. So that made um, the problems worse for me. So we moved here, and I jumped into the wrong crowd. I was even more rebellious. I began using, you know, drugs and experiencing um, things I shouldn't have, dabbling in things I shouldn't have, and um, drugs and alcohol and smoking cigarettes and 
uh, you know, again, fighting. I always wonder why no one asked, why was I fighting when I was a young girl? And uh, there's a reason. We aren't born mean or hateful or, or fighting or racist. We, those are things that we've learned or that we, we catch, if you will, in life. And um, so we moved to Oklahoma and all those things, you know, were taking place. And it's by the grace of God that I, I graduated high school and uh, went on to cosmetology school because, um, you know, in my heart, I, I'm just a, a creative person and um, somehow I wanted to turn all that pain into a purpose. And so maybe I could make someone else feel better just because of the childhood I experienced. And so um, I bought my first house and my car and was trying to just make it on my own, still not knowing how to do that. Um, and I would come into work. I worked in a salon and I would come into work with a hangover and I would go to the back room and um, the, where the, the break room and all the stylists were in there. Did I mention that God placed me lovingly in a Christian salon when I was not a Christian? <laughs> and uh, so I worked in there. I worked there and I would just go in the back room and there they were in all their glory and fabulousness having Bible study and prayer session. Oh, and I was just looking for coffee and they would lovingly every morning ask me, Christy, can we pray for you? Can we just, is there anything that you need from us? And in my rebellion and not knowing the Lord, you know, I would say, nope. So it was people. No, I don't want anything. Thank you very much. And, um, but they were praying for me anyway. And um, I think my, my thought about the Lord was if there was a God, that he was angry and mean and waiting to crush me like I felt uh, the same about my earthly father and my father wounds that I was struggling through. So I didn't want any part of that. I was involved in an automobile accident and, um, you know, didn't think much about it other than I wanted to just, uh, because I survived, I, I kind of likened it to, uh, well, I was lucky when really luck had nothing to do with it at all, as we know, if we serve the Lord. And so when I went back to the wrecker uh, facility to go get the, my belongings out of my car, I noticed that my head had crashed into the windshield, but I didn't have a scratch on me. So wow. God really shook me right then, and I, I knew if there was a God that he, was, he had saved my life. So I went back to the salon, and I began – asking those people about the Lord and about how do I get me saved. And, and if I had died, I would have gone to hell. And um, so they lovingly kind of coached me and encouraged me. And the Holy Spirit was just pursuing me. And I just couldn't get through, through a day of work without knowing that he was, he was pursuing me. And it was one day, and I'll tell you the day, it was August 18, 1988. I was on my lunch break. I was driving around Oklahoma City, and it's that prayer that we pray when we say, God, if you're really real, I want a sign. Help me. That's the only prayer I knew how to pray, and help me. And so literally, literally, I was sitting in a fast food uh, drive through and I looked in my rearview mirror, and there was a sign, and it was for a church that was behind me. And I said, okay, that's my sign. 
And uh, I went over there, I parked in the parking lot, I raced to the back door, I, I beat on the back door, and the pastor came and opened the back door with the sandwich in his hand, and he said, are you okay? You know, I said, I have to get saved and baptized today. And he said, we you have to come back Wednesday. That's when we do that. And I said, no, I, I can't leave. Here's what happened. So he invited me in, and he's the first person that showed me a Bible. And we read in Romans 10 where it says, if you confess with your mouth, and you believe in your heart, then you'll be saved. And so I, I, I just thought it can't be that simple. It just can't be that simple. Is there something I have to do? Is there what works do I have to do? And um, I had been on a performance treadmill my whole life, just trying to be approved. And he said, No, that's it. You need water baptism. So I said, Well, let's do it. I have to go back to work. I have to do a perm. And he said, You have to come back. I said, No. We can't leave. And so I got baptized on my lunch break and I drove back to the salon and um, I was met by all those lovely people I worked with um, and they were cheering me on because I knew when you come back to work soaking wet, either <laughs> were raining that day and they knew I'd gone to get saved and baptized. Wow, that's an amazing story. That's an amazing story, Christy. I'm, I'm overcome even right now, and that's just the beginning of the story. <laughs> my salvation story, it's, uh, it's uh, I, I just am so grateful, I'm just beyond grateful that um, I know that I know that I know that the Holy Spirit will pursue you when you're bullheaded and stubborn and rebellious like I was, that he would leave the 99 to come after this one girl right here. So if you uh, should, if I should continue, please, please, I just felt like I was learning a foreign language um, because I had no idea about the Bible. I had no idea about this life. And so, again, I mentioned earlier that I lived my life on a performance treadmill about works and about if I'm a good girl, if I, you know, if I could just do this, if I could just be perfect, if I could just be better. And I tried to live that through the Bible, and uh, I struggled because it, it was new information for me. And I thought, this is a lot of rules is how I perceived it, you know. So I knew I wanted to do something different in my life than what, the way I was raised. And, and I, my, my dad has passed away. My mom is still a very uh, important person in my life, and we have a great relationship. And um, we just – we just weren't taught that growing up. And uh, so I was learning a whole new thing, and I felt like I was learning it all by myself. So I would inquire and ask these people I worked with, and they would help me out. And um, just just trying to learn. And I felt like a failure because the enemy was there to, to in my ear trying to tell me, you're not saved, you can't do this, it's too hard, it's not for you. And um, so... I, I just had a mediocre faith walk. Uh, it was a based on works, you know, and I, and I just didn't understand the difference. And um, so I uh, I just lived my life. I, I, I had I got married and had children, and, and we would go to church, and we would tithe, and I knew that that was important, but I just didn't have a relationship with the Lord. I still... Um, I still had issue, trust issues, abandonment issues, and um, I still kind of felt like 
I didn't understand the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and how that works. And someone explained it to me finally, like an, an egg, if you will. So we have the, the yolk, we have the white, and then we have the shell. And they're all an egg, but they all have different, they have different um, relationships to that egg. And, and I know that's simplistic, and forgive me for that analogy, and, and I hope that that is not offensive to anyone, because God is most certainly not an egg. But in my, in, in my young uh, childlike faith, I needed something to under, help me understand. So we just um, went to church. We just tried to live life. But there were so many other issues from my childhood that I hadn't dealt with. And I had father wounds, so I needed to ask a heavenly father how to help me with these earthly father father wounds. And um, fast forward, you know, um, some some years later, after my my I had my children, they were in private Christian school. So I wanted I wanted to live by faith and live my life and teach my daughters about Jesus, and so I just didn't know how. Still, and so. On February 17th of 2007, after um, having a prescription medication addiction, I, I validated it and justified it because it came from my doctor. They weren't street drugs, and so we can justify anything, can't we? And, um, and then I could justify having a couple of glasses of wine because Jesus, you know, talked about wine in the Bible, and, and again, I just was so so lost in that and um, on that particular day I was coming back home from a friend's funeral and, um, and I um, I struck a man with my vehicle he was standing on the side of the road and I and I accidentally killed him and um, that was the end of myself most certainly so um What do you mean by that? I mean the end of myself when you it's in surrender. Like that was that was it. That was I was trying to live my life, manage my life, and rule my life, and I was failing miserably. And when that when when I caused that accident, I don't know that I could have gone any lower. And I, there were so many times when I wish it had been me that had died in that accident. And there are still days when it feels that heavy. And um, I just could I it, I lost everything. I lost my marriage. I lost my, my children. I lost my house. I lost my salon. I employed 15 people, and, and I had a salon and uh, a career and this life that I, I had built, I had built, and it was almost as though the Lord said, no, no, now you're going to see what I'm going to do with your life, mm. and he, um, out of that incredibly horrifying time, you know, um, I, I struggled with PTSD after that, and um, again, the answer was more medications and Xanax and all these other things that the doctor gave me. Oh, two didn't work. That's fine. Take five or six more. It'll be fine. And so it perpetuated for the whole year that I was out um, waiting to be sentenced. And I just, uh, I knew that my sentencing was coming up. 
and it was December 31st of 2007, when I just said, I am I'm not taking these medications. I'm, I'm not, I, Lord, I surrender everything to you. I surrender it all. I knew the ultimate end was my going to prison. I was at the end of myself. And I had still been trying to hold on to anything, everything I thought I could do. And, and it goes back to what I went through as a child. I was trying to control my, my surroundings because my surroundings were out of control. And I lived that way my whole life. And um, so on March 12th of 2008, I was sentenced to five years in DOC custody. And um, I served four years, four months, four weeks, and one day on that sentence. And they knew it was an accident, but they also knew that I, I, needed, I needed to do time for that. So I got a, a lesser sentence. I'm so grateful for that because in Oklahoma, that sentence carries zero, or excuse me, four years to life. Mm. And it was in that place that I came to know, Lord, I, the Lord, I surrendered. I came to know God in a way I never knew him before as my heavenly father. Finally, I understood what the father's life was all about. Finally. And it's almost as if he just, grew me up in my faith, and I, I was able to go to uh, Victory Bible College. I graduated from Bible College where I just sat at his feet all day, every day for an entire year in that word, eight, ten hours a day in the word, and what a gift that was. We had just come to that yard to Eddie Warrior, and I was one. I was in the first class. I got plugged in to celebrate recovery, and it's a Christ-centered recovery group, and and I just surrounded myself with godly people. And we were at that chapel and at that church every single time that the doors were open. And it was just, I was a sponge. And the Lord just kept feeding me and filling me with the word and filling me with the Holy Spirit. And um, I also worked in the beauty shop. And when I worked in the beauty shop, because that's what I did, I would look at the, I would interview some of the girls that were coming to the yard for the first time looking for a job. And they'd say, hey, I used to cut hair. I've been to beauty school. Can I work there? And I would watch them do a haircut. They were it was terrible. <laughs> I thought you went to beauty school. And they said, oh, man, I, I got arrested, and I, I, I just didn't, you know, I never finished. And so it was in that place. Well, I was doing a shampoo one day, and I heard the Lord clearly speak to my heart and say, we're going to start a beauty college in women's prison. And I was like, Lord, do you see the words inmate on my back? How is that going to <laughs> And so I had a case manager who told me, no, your felony negates your license. You can forget it. Well, I started working in the law library also to learn the statutes about whether or not that was true. So who has two jobs in prison? I don't know. But I use them both <laughs> today. I use the information to this day. And out of that place, we started Oklahoma's first cosmetology school in the women's prison called the RISE program. And it's an acronym for Reentry Investment Students Education. And it's taken from Isaiah 61.3 that says he gives us beauty for our ashes and we will rise from the ashes. Mm. Perfect. Well, tell us, you make this sound like this was easy, uh, that this just happened, but um, how in the world were you able to create the first beauty school in a, in a prison in Oklahoma like that. I mean, that sounds unbelievable. 
it's pretty unbelievable. <laughs> it's never been done before. And uh, the Lord just, again, uh, I I am a tenacious uh, woman, and um, I would love a challenge. And he pursued me about this, and, and it burned in my heart to the point where I could not lay it down. It was not just some happenstance or some thought, fleeting thought. I mean, I knew it was a mission. I knew it was a calling, and he opened up every doorway for me to be able to walk into the position. So there were there was um, Dr. Pittman, um, and I always like to give credit to her. She was over the programs with DOC, and not by happenstance or not by coincidence, but she would end up at some of the facilities where I was at, and I would it was almost like divine appointment, not even almost, it was divine appointment from the Lord that I would have a face-to-face with her for just a moment, even while I was an offender. And I would say, hey, I have this idea about starting a, a cosmetology school, and when I get out, I'd like to come see you. And she was so kind, and she said, okay, okay, that's great. When you come see me when you get out. And later, <laughs> I'd see her someplace else. And then three or four times that happened. And I told her, I said, when I get out, I want to come to your office and talk to you. And a few days after I was released, I, I met with her. We, we talked about it, about how she said, I can't believe it. <laughs> Here you are. And um, we just, um, it took a few years. It took eight, actually 18 months a day when I got out of prison for me to um, inquire about my DOC volunteer badge, which allowed me to go back in. And I called on the 18th. Uh, 18 months passed on that day. I called and I said, okay, I'm ready for my badge. I want to go back in. And they laughed at me. And um, so it took five years for this to happen. I, maybe they wanted to see what I was about. Maybe they wanted to see if I was trustworthy, uh, if I had a plan. But people would ask me. I got turned down many times because people would ask, um, where's your data? Where's your the numbers? Where's the information? And I said, well, I don't have it. I my and this is what God said. Uh, not everybody believes that. So five years later, Dr. Pittman commandeered an empty classroom at Mabel Bassett, and on a Friday at four o'clock, she went in there and she said, "We're claiming this for the Rice Program." And um, we had been taking collections, we had been taking donations. And I had already been to Pastor Rick Warren's church at Celebrate Recovery at their summit. And on stage, I said, I'm either a liar or I'm either, you know, uh, walking by incredible faith because we didn't even have a dollar for the rise of the And I'm telling 4,000 people by faith that we have an Oklahoma's first cosmetology school. Before you had a dollar. Before I had a dollar. (laughs) 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 I was like, okay, that's incredible faith, Lord. So it's if it's your will, it's your bill, basically. And um, we just opened every doorway. And on March 27th of 2017, we opened up uh, Oklahoma's first cosmetology school for women's prison. And um, we, we're in our third class right now. Presently, we have zero recidivism rate and 100% state board pass rate. That's amazing. Uh, it's all the Lord. It's, it's all him. And- I, mean, I mean, now when you look at this, it's a, a hugely established... Uh, program. You've helped countless people uh, with this uh, RISE program. It's it's an institution in Oklahoma, isn't it? I mean, it's incredible. I mean, how far have you come since the beginning when you literally had not even a dollar? Um, well, we have had three graduating or two graduating classes. We're right now because of, of COVID, we're in our third class. And so we're on a, a 
hiatus, if you will, a little sabbatical. And um, but meanwhile, I'm working, so we're working on some new curriculum. We have we have uh, all the equipment for a second school at um, also in the state up north near Tulsa. So we're waiting for the okay on that. We also are in uh, the works of a school here on the outside, as we call it, um, in Oklahoma City. Uh, we, we really are hoping to create a, a new diversion type program, which will uh, keep women out of prison. It's amazing, Christy. You know, you talked about the purpose in, in your pain. You couldn't have seen this, I suppose, at the deepest, darkest moment of your despair, uh, how when you had lost everything, uh, that this would all turn out this way, could you? I mean, could you have imagined any of this? Oh, I, I sit here right right now, Alec, and I I can't I still can't imagine that God would let me have a front row seat for this. I it's mind blowing and I think he has to do that to me. I I told you something covered. Um, to remind me that he is my Lord and that I it is not through anything that I'm doing. And um when it's, you know, when we say, when we read in the word that no eye has seen, no ear has heard the things that God has for those who he loves, uh, he is, that is absolutely 100% true. When I had inmates stamped on my suit, on my back, I would never have believed that God could use me in this capacity. Uh, I still am blown away. And, and he's not finished. We're just I think that it's from glory to glory to glory. And where I trust him in one area, then he takes me to another. And in the book of Isaiah, it says, drive your tent pegs deeper, open up your curtains, because I'm expanding your territory. And he spoke that to me, and I believe that, that he's not even finished. We're, we're just scratching the surface as to what he is doing. And um, if we just rest, if we just let him have his way, it's bigger than we could ever imagine. I, I never knew that he was weaving this elaborate tapestry for my life uh, when I worked in the beauty shop, when I went to prison, and when I worked in the law library. Currently, I serve as the chair on the rules committee as a board member for the State Board of Cosmetology. I was appointed by the governor. What? <laughs> From the pit to the palace, you know? And um, I'm astonished. I'm astonished at the audience that God gives us with the governor, and he's been to our school, and the previous governor you know, applauds what God is doing, what he's doing. I want to make that clear. It's him. And um, it's, it's amazing. When I got served divorce papers at prison, and I learned that I lost my house, and both my children went to live with their dads, and, and I just understood the depth of what hopelessness felt like. I've, I've been to that, stood in front of that prison, the Mamertine prison in Rome, where Paul wrote some of our, our New Testament. And I think how dismal that place is. And I can understand the depth and the, the impact that the New Testament has on, on our lives with, when it's, we're hopeless. And from that place, I've seen with my own two eyes and, and that I've been myself in prison. And he, you know, his missions trip, his life was on hold, and God gave him a different platform, was to preach from prison. And yeah. so, like COVID, you know, we're on, we're on hold. We don't know what to do uh, in society right now. And God would give us a different platform. You know, we can't just lay down and say, oh, oh, we don't know what to do anymore. You know, 
He has a different plan. He's a way maker. So I'll start preaching. I have to be careful. Sorry. Oh gosh, no, Christy. I mean, I'm I'm just so amazed uh, with your story from hopeless to hope. I mean, it's so inspiring. It's such an encouragement uh, to anyone. It seems to me, and if you think about it, I mean, there's really only one word that comes to my mind, which is redemption. Uh, it's it's an incredible story, Christy, and uh, you know I want to thank you. We're actually uh, running out of time here, but I want to thank you for sharing a, a truly remarkable story and an inspiring story. Uh, and I'm I'm just just so grateful that you would share it with us because I, I hope it's a, an encouragement to to all of us, myself included. To remember, you know what's important in life and in the world, and uh, and that's our faith. Uh, and so, um, I just uh, I'm just humbled by by your story and and thankful. So, uh, Christy, thank you so much uh, for sharing uh, your testimony and your uh, incredible experience with all this. And I, I wish you the best of luck with uh, the Rise program. Although, frankly, you don't need it because. Uh, it's incredible what you've done with it and where it's going. And as you point out, I think it's just the beginning. Thank you. Thanks for listening to About Faith with Alec Klein. Please stay tuned for our next episode airing on HLE Radio every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Central and replayed Sundays at 5 p.m. Central. We'll be hearing inspiring stories from people from all walks of life sharing with us their journey to faith. I'd love to hear from listeners. Please reach out to me through my website, alekklein.net. That's A-L-E-C-K-L-E-I-N dot net. Until next time, have a great week.